Michael is our worship leader here in Orlando, um, but those are the other worship leaders at our other locations, and they put that video together as something you may see on YouTube uh, to really get us uh, diving in into our topic today, which is all about digital devices. So, but I am here to say welcome and good morning. My name is Elena, and I am one of the volunteers here at Kensington, so we are so excited to have you here with us. If you are new or visiting, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Please feel free to stop by our starting point area at the end of service. We would love to get to know you and uh, just give you a little bit more information about the great things that we do here. And if you're looking for an opportunity to get plugged in and get connected, small groups are a great way to do that. They're going to be kicking off very soon and we still have spots open. So in your program, there is a paper for you to fill out with your availability and maybe some things that you're looking for uh, from your small group. So please feel free to stop by starting point and drop that off at the end of service and we'd love to get you connected. And if you have some questions about your faith and you really want to get those answered, we have a class for you. There is a class that actually just started this morning called Alpha. It's going to be held uh, during our 930 services, and it's still available for you to join. So if you would like to sign up, the information's right there behind me, and that is a great opportunity for you to just get some more information and ask some of those, those questions that maybe you are afraid to ask or really want to get some more info. And then who's excited for Super Bowl Sunday? All right, where are my Patriots fans? Uh, <laughs> What about my Eagles fans? 
All right, all right. <laughs> so whoever you root for, we would love to have you here uh, next Sunday. After our second service, we are going to be having our annual Super Bowl picnic. It is so much fun. It's one of my favorite things that we do here every year. We're going to have great food, great friends, uh, and also bounce houses for the kids and activities. So we would love to have you join us for that. And speaking of all the exciting things we're doing, there are some really exciting things that are going to be happening here this year. So uh, our lead pastor, Kevin Valentine, is going to come up and give you more information on that. So welcome, Kevin. I'm just telling you, I am an Eagles fan for this Super Bowl just because I don't like the Patriots. Okay. Um, Sorry, I know, I know that makes some of you hate me, but some of you love me more because of that now. Um, But I want to take a few moments to just share with you three things that are coming up at Kensington because this is shaping up to be um, quite a year for us. And I want to start with with this. Um, The first thing you need to know is I have a lease in hand for the Tri-City Center in Winter Garden to build out our very first 24-6 facility. Um, um, Yep, you can can cheer for that. Um, It's going to be in a shopping center that is right behind Four Rivers or across the street from Wawa's as kind of your landmarks there. Um, But many of you don't know this. We actually operate as a church administratively out of like a 1,200 square foot little office space. We're on top of each other. It is used six days a week. Um, I mean, it is just, we're packed in there all the time. And so in 2016, at the beginning, we ran a, a finance campaign called Everyone. And we said, hey, would you guys step up and give over and above your giving so that we might be able to have a permanent footprint or a more permanent footprint in this area. And so uh, you guys stepped up and gave. And so I'm excited to tell you a year and a half later, it's taken that long to find something. Um, We have a place to call home. It's about 4,000 square feet. We are hoping to start construction, a demo in construction on March 1st. And and, um, we're hoping to be moving into it in May. But let me show you a little picture of what it's going to look like on the inside. Um, The whole front half to your right is going to be all meeting space. Hopefully we're going to be able to seat 50 to 75 people in it. Um, It'll be a place to find us during the week, come and have coffee and be a part of everything that's going on there. And then the whole back half is going to be office space and storage area in the back. Right now we actually have two storage units that we pay for to keep all of our equipment and build our sets in. So we're going to actually be moving into, right at the beginning of the summer, hopefully in May, June, um, an actual facility that you will know where to find us the other six days of the week. Because that's why we're doing it. You know where to find us on Sunday. Now what do you do on Saturday? And let me just show you a list of things that you, we're going to be doing in this space. Some of those we already do in this space, but we're also going to be able to add a bunch more stuff. Um, but the biggest thing is that we're going to actually have uh, a more permanent footprint in the area, which we are excited with a you know lighted sign out on the front of that complex, and we'll be on the monument signs, and you'll be able to find us during the week. Um, so we're excited about that. So can we give it up for that? Like that's exciting stuff. Second thing I am incredibly excited about is what is being built on the back half of this property. You may not know it, but Windermere Prep is doing construction on a state-of-the-art 550-seat performing arts theater. And uh, that's where they're at in the construction process right now. Um, it is, it is uh, really fascinating what they're building because if we had the money, uh, $10, 12000000 million, it is probably what we would build. And so it's been really cool as they've built it. You've got the building there and there's parking 
right beside it off to the side. But uh, the unique thing about this project that we've been in is because we have such a good partnership with Windermere Prep, um, we have actually been involved in the building and the design of the space. In other words, they're building it with us in mind so that we fit and can do all the things we want to do along with all the things they want to do. But what I want to show you is some finished pictures. I haven't seen these until this week. I was blown away, but you need to know August, September-ish, this is going to be our new home. And so I'll show you the ex exterior first. That's a finished picture of what you're going to be walking up to when you come to Kensington. Um, you can see to the right, there's two floors there. This is, uh, you can go to the next one. This is inside the lobby space. Like, we're not going to know what to do with ourselves, right? I'm going to be like, don't touch anything. Like, don't, we're going to have to dress different, you know? It's like, oh my gosh. Um, it's gonna be, we're in a gym right now. So, so uh, this is phenomenal looking, but these are actual renditions of what it's going to look like. The next picture, let's go into the auditorium. That is the front half of the auditorium. That is just the front down slope floor theater stuff. Now the other half, I'll show you a picture of both. Um, that's the whole thing from one side. And just to get a si uh, the size of this, if you see the doorways on the other side, those little silver squares, those are full-size doors. So that's how big this space is. It is beautiful. It is going to sound incredible. It is going to be, um, you know, more than we could ever build on our own. And it's just so cool that Windermere Prep is like, hey, we believe in you guys and we love our partnership. We want to do this with you. And so we're going to be moving into that uh, September-ish. You know, it's a building project. So it might be October-ish. I will say this. We will have our Christmas services this year in that space. How about that? Uh, but we don't really know. So pretty exciting stuff there, right? It's like there's cool stuff going. So we've got a new space for the other six days of the week besides Sunday. Starting in May, June, we've got a new space on Sundays. And there's one more change that's coming up that we are thrilled with. Um, we are the healthiest we've ever been as a church in seven years. Um, our staff is killing it. We have more people involved in small groups than we've ever had. We, our attendance is growing steadily. Um, many of you guys are committed to our mission and our vision. And you're, you're rolling up your sleeves. You're volunteering. You're, you're giving your time, talent, and your treasure to the point where we are, have been talking with our advisory team here in Florida and our advisory team in Michigan, and we've decided to launch a new initiative at Kensington, and that is we're going to be transitioning from a campus of Kensington to a network church of Kensington. Now, what is a network church? And this is what this means because we're excited about it. It's a new initiative that we're starting. Um, on Sundays, what you're going to find here as you continue to come is uh, very few changes. We love who we are. We love our reputation we have in the area. We will always be Kensington Church. Um, you're not, so you're not going to notice a lot from coming on Sundays. You're not going to notice a lot of changes from during the week. Um, our, our mission, vision, values, we helped come up with those. They are who we are. Um, but from a financial standpoint, that's where the changes are. We are going to become um, operationally a separate 501c3 down here in Florida. We're going to become a Florida church reaching Florida people, which is super cool. Like we're thrilled with it. Um, uh, you know, from my standpoint, there's a number of reasons to do it, but I'll give you a couple. One, first of all, is just as Kensington proper has grown from five campuses to eight, Seven of the campuses are in Michigan. We're the, the thousand mile away campus that everybody gets angry at in the winter um, because it's so nice here. Um, and so, so what's happened as Kensington's grown, it's come, become more and more complex. 
uh, of an organization to the point where it's become more and more difficult being a thousand miles away trying to make decisions and trying to get things done down here for our Florida-based community that we have, have kind of come alongside with the leadership there and said, how do we simplify this? How do we make this just more seamless? And how do we make it, it better for both us as a church and them as a church? And so uh, you guys just need to know that we are making the decision to transition and, be, and just stand on our own two feet. Our advisory team here is going to be transitioning to we're actually going to have elders here on the ground from our church where before we kind of had elders that were up there somewhere. We're going to have leadership here on the ground. Our staff is working really hard. We're launching a new website this week. A new database is coming. And uh, when you give here in Florida, it's going to actually stay here in Florida, um, which is just a really cool thing um, from, a, from a finance standpoint. And uh, just so you know, it's a win-win for us. And that's one of the reasons that we're doing it. But there's also a second one. Um, I feel like God's been pressing on me to do this for the last year, maybe 18 months, where he's just been saying this is your next step as a community and your next step as a church. And a year ago, uh, if I'm just totally honest with you, we weren't ready to make a step like this. We weren't healthy enough as a church. And so let me just tell you why I'm excited about this move, why I'm thrilled about it. It is largely because of you. It is because of you. Our staff is healthy. Um, our volunteers are healthy. Our resources and finance side of things is unbelievably healthy. So many of you have rolled up your sleeves, gotten involved. Our volunteer teams are the healthiest they've been. There's more people in small groups. We're just, there's so many things going on that I just feel like as God has been pressing me to do this, that the time is right to take a step like this. And I, I just got to tell you that, that I believe um, in 2018, if you stack up these three events, I think in 2018, we're going to see more people transformed and mobilized by Jesus than we've seen in any year prior. I really believe that. I just think God is doing something special for us and in us. And so over the next few months, you're going to see um, something really exciting begin to happen. And there's some next steps for you that I really want you to take. First is this. I want you to go check out our website this week. There's a brand new one launching. And you know what's funny? I didn't think I would be that excited about it, but I'm excited about it. It's so cool that just, you'll go on there, you'll find all Orlando stuff. Um, so that's one of the things this week I want you to look for. Secondly, um, I just want to invite you to jump in and help us put Kensington together every week, week in and week out. Every team, we are looking for more volunteers and people to step up and lead. Um, invite your neighbor. Um, this is something we really want to cultivate an inviting culture. I want you to invite people that don't know Jesus, that need to know who he is, that, that don't realize that he loves them and has a plan for their life. Get them here. And uh, we promise you on Sundays that they will walk out of here and going, that is A, different than any church I've ever been to, but B, I feel like there was something happening in my soul that I can't describe, but it was real. That happens every single week here. And then lastly, on Wednesday, March 7th, from 7 to 8.30, um, I want you to save the date uh, for a town hall vision night that we want to have. We're going to hopefully have it over here in the library where we're just saying, hey, come here. We'll talk about our vision for this year. Uh, we'll talk about the new spaces in detail and give you as much information as we have and also open it up for just a question and answer because um, I'm sure that with the three things we're talking about, there's some questions you have. We want a forum for all of us to talk and just spend some time together and, uh, and, and have an evening together. So save that date. Also, if you have any questions, talk to me today uh, or grab any of our staff. We would love to talk to you about it. Okay, so there you go. Can we give it up for all three of those things? That's like pretty cool stuff. Um, thrilled about it.
so as we get into today, we are in the last week of our series, Crave. It's called, I Can't Say No To My Digital Device. And so today we're going to kind of meddle in all of our lives, um, just so you know, as it's coming. Um, and then at the end of the day today is really a moment where we're hoping a lot of us draw a line in the sand of our lives and, and actually uh, make a move, take a step towards changing how we live out every day um, in a way that really draws us closer to God and honors him. And so we want to kick, kick that off, first of all, by saying hello to someone near you. We want to do a Kensington Crunch. I'm going to ask you to stand up, move forward, sque- squeeze in, and answer this question iPhone or Android? get your heart going a little bit? That was like a little intense at the end, but you know what I found myself when I watched that earlier this week? At the beginning, I'm like, 
Come on, get going. It's like, I don't know if you've noticed, if you go back and watch movies from the 70s and 80s, they are so slow moving, aren't they? It's like, who wrote this stuff? They didn't write much, you know, because we're so used to like action, 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 action. But that is the digital age we live in. It has changed our world. Our world is completely different from what it was if you're my age, and I'm like 22 years old. From my age, um, the world is just different. If you go back, so I'm 44 years old, and I will just tell you, I remember rotary phones. My grandma had a rotary phone in her house for years growing up. Um, anybody remember 8-track players? You guys remember those? Yeah, like, ooh, those were the best. No, they weren't. Um, uh, you know, VHS tapes. Like, you guys remember having a stack of VHS tapes. Now you need special equipment to play those. Um, cassette tapes. Um, you remember back in the day when you got a new girlfriend or boyfriend, you go, hey, I made you a mixtape. Like, that was your thing, right? You're like, hey, you know, I spent hours putting this mixtape together for you. Um, it's like, we did that. I remember before Al Gore invented the internet. I remember that way back in the day. Uh, I remember my first email. I remember the first email I ever sent, and I was so confused because I couldn't understand how it didn't cost anything. I'm like, so wait, I can just email it, and they get it, and they email us back, and like, that, that's a thing? And they're like, yeah, try it. You know, it was at my college. And so I, I did that. I, I remember arguing with people about where the internet actually was because I was like, well, where is it? And they're like, well, it's just out there. I'm like, how can it just be out there? It's got to be somewhere. You know, and like, we argue about that as this is coming online. Now, we can't live without this stuff. I'm just telling you, you can't function in today's day and age without jumping into this stuff. We have instant news, instant purchasing, instant information, instant sermons. You don't even need to understand anything anymore to argue. You can get in an argument about stuff that you've never heard of and argue about it. And instead of arguing and like going for a half hour and being upset, you can just go, oh yeah, well, let's figure it out. And you just type it in and argument over. We can't even argue anymore, you know, like we used to. It's changed everything. And so here's the deal. Today, have you ever stopped? And just thought about how different our lives are because of the digital age we live in. And I'm talking the last 10, 12 years. You know the smartphone, the iPhone came out in 2007. How different our lives are 10 years later. And I'll just tell you this thing. If we're not careful, it will control our life. And I think for many of us, it does control our life. And so um, because of the addictive qualities of, of social media and smartphones and digital devices, we have a little test that we're going to take uh, to see if you're addicted. Okay, this is an addiction test. Um, and so you have to be honest because you're in church, right? You can't lie in church. Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep track of the number of yeses you answer to the questions I'm about to ask. And you just keep a running total in your mind. And then we're going we're gonna to... All uh, confess. We're going to have a group confessional um, at the end of this test. So here is the first question. I want you to answer yes. And remember this. Just use your finger, thumb, whatever. Keep track. Um, answer yes if a loved one have told you, uh, has told you that you have a problem with your phone or your device. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I, I just saw both your kids go, mm. You know, it's like they just like looking at you. All right. So that's a yes, bro. Yes. Um, Number two, um, answer yes if you regularly do email, text, or check social media while you're on the toilet, okay? That's number two, answer honestly. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like this, okay. Um, uh, answer yes if you can't go five minutes without checking Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook. Like every five minutes, if you're like kind of out of it. Um, answer yes if you regularly text while driving. Answer honestly. Answer yes if you regularly text while driving. Um, answer yes if you just lied about the last question. Okay, answer yes. <laughs> um, answer yes if when your phone buzzes, 
your heart rate elevates until you check it out and make sure that it's not something that you need to attend to. Just if your heart rate just raises and you're kind of like waiting to get to it, um, answer yes if you have ever had a phantom buzz on one of your legs wherever you keep your pocket when your phone wasn't there but it felt like it was going off, okay? Answer yes. Um, answer answer yes if, if you uh, never ever turn your phone off, not even for five minutes. If it is always on and when it dies, it's as soon as you can plug it in, get it back up in case you miss something. Um, answer yes. Answer yes if you have ever checked your phone, email, text, or whatnot while your significant other was sharing their heart with you. Um, have you ever done that? Oh yes, you've done that. Um, answer yes if there is an indentation in your clothes where you usually carry your device, um, if you could tell where, where it goes. Um, answer yes if at every event in your life you pull out your phone to take pictures of it rather than enjoying the event. Um, answer yes if you've ever pulled your phone out to check an email, text, or it's gone off and you had to get attend to something while you're eating dinner with your family at home. Um, and then the last one, answer yes if when your little kids pretend to be you, they walk around going, nah, 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 nah. All right, so now, confession time, all right? This is like confessional, group confessional time. Um, I am not a priest, but for the next 30 seconds, I'll be one, okay? I'll play one on TV. Um, so here you go. If you answered yes to four or more of those questions, I want you to raise your hand. Four or more. Oh, yeah. See, now we're talking. All right, welcome to the club. You're addicted. You're addicted. I'm, I'm addicted. Um, it, it really is one of those things where you're forgiven. You're forgiven, okay? You're forgiven. Um, uh, 20 bucks in the offering later. You're good. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. Um, but, but here's the thing. We got to talk about this because it has invaded every part of our life in ways that we don't even realize we are being robbed of life by the way the digital revolution has invaded every single waking moment. Technology has brought phenomena into our life that we've never had. Our work meetings are different, right? Have you ever been in a work meeting and you just see the tops of people's heads? Because you're doing this, and you're like, oh, I didn't know they were going bald. Like, you ever done that? Um, how we experience real-life events is completely different. We don't experience reality like we used to. Why? Because we experience them kind of like this. I don't know if you've seen, uh, seen this, but that's concerts now. You've been to a concert lately? That's what you see. You sometimes can't see the stage because everyone's got their device up, or you're the person up there on your device. You say, well, I want to get over them, right? Like, that's what's going on. Very few people experience reality anymore. We don't live in the moment anymore. So we take pictures of the moment so that we can go and share what we missed later with other people. And what's really interesting, um, scientists are now studying our brains because of this. And it is beginning to change the way our brains are wired and function. One change is called photo-taking impairment effect. I'm not making this up. Photo-taking impairment effect, which is when people have a hard time remembering something because they took so many photos of it. Because what we do is we just tell our brain, hey, sit this event out. We'll take pictures and we'll remember it later. And don't tell me you haven't done that. We've done it. Rather than experience the moment, we'll be busy taking pictures and then later we'll come back to it. And so we're telling our brains, hey, don't worry. Just t take some time off. And while the technology age we live in is it's incredible, we're not, well, this is not a war or an assault on devices because I don't think they're in and of themselves bad at all. But how we use them has begun to present problems in our lives. And the first problem, there's four problems I want to just kind of lay out for you. The very first one is that we're really addicted to our digital devices. And um, it's for good reason. Much of the social media that we all are a part of is designed to create addicts. 
Now, what do I mean by that? Sean Parker, one of the early investors of Facebook, he's the Napster founder, if you remember back in the day when Napster came out. Um, he says, Mark Zuckerberg knowingly created a monster with addictive social media. He was speaking at an event where he pulled back the curtain um, on Facebook's early days, and he says, we designed it to consume people. All of the sharing and liking were used like a drug to get people hooked on checking Facebook nonstop. And he said their earliest mission, this is behind the curtains of Facebook, their earliest mission, they were, they were um, on mission to answer this question, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? That was their mission as an organization. And so Parker says, God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. Now we're studying and finding out. USA Today article this week, which is crazy, you know, the timing of some of these things. This week, um, I'm going to quote it. Ex-employees of Google, Apple, and Facebook are raising red flags about the very tech they created and revealing how it is engineered to grab your attention, keep you hooked, and make you crave more. It's like, they're like, hey, Kensington is in a Crave series. Let's write this article. It's like, no, it's designed to make you crave more. Now, let me give you some of the stats. 27% of adults actually admit to being addicted to this. The interesting thing about addictions is, is you rarely realize you're addicted until it's too late. Um, when you talk to teenagers, 50% of teenagers will admit to being addicted to their phones. They can't go without it. And I'll just say this. If you're in high school and you've never been to Edge, it's our high school ministry, meets on Wednesday nights. I'm actually going to be speaking this Wednesday at Edge, and we're going to be doing part two of this talk. Um, there at Ed. So if you've never been and you're in high school, come out Wednesday night and get information in your program or at Starting Point. Um, and we'll, uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to meet you, but also get you connected to this crazy cool ministry that's going on. It's growing like crazy. So that is Edge Wednesday night. So let me give you some more stats. 40% of people admit to checking their phones while on the toilet, which I think means 60% of people are liars and 100% of people should never touch another person's phone, okay? That's what I think. Um, this thing, um, 70%, uh, it's in my pocket, 70% of families that have teenagers in them say that it has caused discord in the family. I have two teenagers in my house right now. I would say 23% of families are lying because it is like constant that it's, it, there's an argument over this thing right here with them. Um, on average, we check our devices 110 to 150 times a day. Um, there was actually on record when they did this study, um, it was recorded one person, probably a teenager, checked it 900 times in a single day. Um, uh, just this week, a new study published, the journal Emotion, says there's a correlation between teenagers' happiness and how much time they're on their phone. And they say it's a good thing up to an hour. They say anything over an hour and it starts going downhill because it starts taking life from you. Um, the average American, this blew me away, but as I started thinking about my life, um, average American spends 12 hours consuming digital media every day, eight of those for personal use. And I know you're going, man, no, no, I don't think that's true. Think about your life. Process through a day. And I'm just going, man, I, I think I'm, I'm close. And now... Due to our continued increase in use of digital technology, the National Center for Biotechnology Information, they say the attention span of the average human is now down from 12 seconds in 2000 to 8 seconds in 2017, which is a second less than a goldfish, okay? We're second less than a goldfish. So congratulations to us. We're addicted, and it's changing the way... We live our lives because we have digital habits that have begun to invade every part of our life. Second thing, it's caused a problem. Our digital habits distract us from real human relationships. 
They're distracting. I've taken my wife out to dinner and I have made her sit and wait at the dinner table on a date night while I got to a text, an email, or something that came up. And I'm just like, hold on just a second. Minute, two minutes. Just silence. We're, we're supposed to be out interacting. I got something. When Billy Graham, he's one of the great evangelists of our time, he, um, when he used to speak, um, he would preach about four universal human longings that every person struggles with. And he said it's, it's loneliness, emptiness, guilt, and fear of death. Those are the four longings that each of us have in our heart. Uh, loneliness, emptiness, guilt, fear of death. And when it comes to loneliness and emptiness, there's now a term called Facebook depression. Clinical term. And then we're like, really? Yeah. And I'll call it social media depression because it's on all platforms, but it happens when we compare our lives to the virtual lives of other people. See, our friends who are doing something exciting, um, they're posting photos of it, and it's all awesome looking and everything, and we're sitting at home on our device on the toilet, um, and like they're living life, right? Like that's, that's the way it goes. And so when that happens, um, it leaves us envious, discontent with our life. It leads to actual depression. We actually get real depression over something that's not real. Now, what's not real about what you see online? Do you realize that when you look at someone's Facebook page or social media pictures, that's not their real life? They are posting the most fun, most exciting, most beautiful, most successful, and most interesting pictures of their life. That's all you put on there. You don't put the other stuff on there. So when you go online and you start comparing your normal life to the best pictures of everyone else, the most fun, most exciting, most interesting, the most successful things they have going on in their life, how can you not be depressed? Because it doesn't match up. Your real life doesn't match up to their fake life that they're putting online, which ends up in real depression. Article I read this week says researchers have found um, that the more time women spend on Facebook, the more fixated they become on their own appearances, especially after viewing someone else's photos. Tell me that's not true. Facebook is clinically linked to increased levels of relationship jealousy, narcissism, poor eating habits, and credit card debt due to an inflated sense of self, which drives people to make really reckless decisions. And I will just tell you, um, in thinking about my life, our digital habits distract us from human relationships, but it's worse than that. Our digital habits actually have become um, a substitute for real human relationships because we have this false sense of connection. Forbes magazine published an article. They said, hey, uh, this is how, how social media is sabotaging real communication. So studies show that only 7% of communication is based on verbal. 93% of communication is based on nonverbal body language. And they said this, it's only when we can hear a tone of voice or look into somebody's eyes that we are able to discern whether I'm fine really means I'm fine. Only when we can look at somebody in their eyes and read their body language can we really know if when somebody says I'm in, they're really all in. That's just the reality of it. So it substituted us getting together. Um, and this is where uh, in technology, anybody can hide behind a text. Anybody can hide behind an email, a Facebook post, or a tweet, um, projecting any image that we want to project. And we can create an illusion of our choosing. And we do it, right? I've done it. I have taken 15 pictures to get just the right one to put online so that I look pretty, right? I mean, you're thinking like, gosh, it should only take one with you. You know, it's like 15. And so here's what happens with our lives. While we have this idea that social media makes us more connected, we're actually more disconnected than we've ever been. 
and it impacts us every single day. And I'll just tell you um, how it's a substitute for real relationships. A few months back, I asked my son, Gary, he's 15, if I could share this story. A few months back, he's taken an online course, and he needs to actually talk to the teacher um, for this particular class. And so um, he calls her, and he doesn't say hello, doesn't introduce himself. He's like, yeah, I need to talk to you about da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they start having this conversation. And then at the end, he, he talks to her about it, and they hash it out, and he says, okay, hangs up. And I'm sitting there beside him, listening to the whole thing. I'm like, Garrett, what was that? He's like, what? I said, you didn't say hello. You didn't introduce yourself. You didn't say thank you. And you never said goodbye. And in just a moment of clarity for him, you know, he just looks at me. He's like, wow. He's like, you're right. I, I guess I, I just, just don't really talk to people that much, especially on my phone. And what's he just saying? I'm unpracticed. And how to actually have conversation and social interactions with real people. Why? Because he's so busy, like all other teenagers and a lot of us, sending texts, sending pictures through Snapchat, um, jumping on social media platforms and just posting stuff. Like that's how they communicate with each other. So it's changing. It's becoming a substitute for real relationships. And there's one last problem I'll bring up before we start talking solution. And that is this. Um, Why do we do this? Digital life is often easier than real life. It just is. It is. uh, Real intimacy is so much harder than digital intimacy. It's just easier to be vulnerable in an email or a text. Um, It's easier to voice our displeasure with a friend or or somebody that we're in relationship with um, over email or text than it is to tell them face-to-face. It's easier to tell somebody bad news on a device than in in, in person. We can actually hide out in the open. It's easier to browse um, the web than it is to pray or spend time with God or let somebody know where we're struggling. It's easier to find a new relationship on Facebook rather than work on the one that you have that's a little bit difficult. That's why Facebook is one of the top, uh, top reasons that people say they're getting a divorce. It's, it's online, social media, Facebook stuff. It's because affairs have started because rather than deal with the relationship I have, it's easier to go be somebody else online. So the question is, how do we deal with it? Um, How do we navigate life in a digital age like this so that we can have what Jesus says he came to give us, and that is life to the full. And so here's the big idea, and that is this. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. And so let me put this in my hand because a lot of us live this way. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. If in your hand is a digital device of some kind, what's in front of you is more important Um, And what does that mean? There's nothing wrong with this device. Um, We're not going to war against it. But um, we need to point to a better way of living that honors God and honors each other in a way that gives us the kind of life that we dream of having. Because this is not providing it. This is actually robbing us of real human connection and communication with God. And so what do we do? We look two ways. So if we're looking at this, we're going to look two ways. The first way we look is we look up. If you want to know what step one is from getting away from this being your addiction, you look up. Um, We've become a generation, including us old people um, and older than me people. um, We've become a generation that looks down all the time. We look down. We show the top of our heads to people a lot. So what's step one is is look up. The world is happening all around us. And if you're like this, you're going to miss it. But if you look up, you're going to at least experience, uh, experience life a little differently. And the first place we need to look is literally look up to Jesus. See, Jesus said the most important thing we'll ever do in Mark 12. He said of all the commandments, uh, he was asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Someone going, okay, Jesus, God in the flesh, creator of of mankind, giver of life, um, what's the most important thing for us to do? What's the number one uh, commandment? And Jesus says the most important one 
is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Be in relationship with God. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, There's no commandments greater than these. He's saying, look, if there's two things you do in this life, two things you get right in this life, you look up and you connect and love God with everything you have, and you look up and you connect with people around you that God has brought into your life. First to God, first to others. Jesus said he came to earth so that we can experience life to the full. John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Satan's purpose for your life. But Jesus is saying, my purpose is to give them, which is us, a rich and satisfying life. And Jesus is talking about Satan and his mission for you. And while the phones and devices aren't the enemy, Satan has gotten in there and really distracted us. And he's stealing our joy by making us Facebook depressed because we're looking at everybody's amazing lives. He's killing our intimacy with our digital devices by making them hollow so that we never actually look anybody in the eye and go eye to eye, knee to knee, and heart to heart with anybody. And he's destroying our relationships by making them this deep while expanding them to beyond proportions of, I'm amazing because I have 1,900 Facebook friends. I'm pretty much a big deal. But you know what? 99.9% of the people I'm this deep with most important thing in life is not a thing. It's actually a person. It's Jesus Christ. Hands down, it's Jesus. And secondly, it's people. So what's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. The problem is, is we settle for good instead of great. We settle settle for good communication rather than great communication. We settle for a text conversation instead of face-to-face. We settle for an Instagram photo instead of telling the story um, when we're with people. We We settle for pictures instead of memories. And from every study and research I've found on this area, the rich and satisfying life that Jesus is calling us to requires us to look up away from our devices to God and to people, which gets me to the second step, and that is this. It's look away. It's look away. How do we push back against the onslaught of the digital age and our relationships? Um, We follow Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Add some wisdom to your life. See what's happening around you and make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I believe what Paul is saying here is like, guess what? Um, After today's gone, it's gone. You never get it back. Make the most of every opportunity. If you want to unplug from a live event to take pictures of it so you can remember it later, that moment is over as soon as it's over. So make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the, the Lord's um, will is. His will is, is that we would le- live wise lives, understanding what's going on, and look up and look, uh, look across the person and look away from our digital devices. Now, let me give you some practical ways, okay? Now, we're going to have an interactive moment. Like, we're going to con- com- communicate here, okay? No digital devices between us. I want you to say, with me, I want you to see, say, D-D-W-W-A-A. I'm gonna, we're going to teach you really quickly, what do you do about this? What are some practical steps to unplugging? Um, D-D-A-A, wait, what did I say? D-D-W-W-A-A. Okay, you guys ready with me? Say it out loud. D-D-W-W-A-A. One more time, a little bit louder. D-D. W-W-A-A. What does that stand for? The D-D stands for this. It stands for this. D stands. It stands for this. Um, Divert daily. Divert daily. Each day, pull away from your digital device for at least one hour while you're awake. (laughs) Sleeping doesn't count. Divert daily. I read an article um, in USA Today. Young woman, 16 years old. She decided that her phone was ruling her life, so she made it a point every day when she gets home from track, she walks in the house, puts her phone on Do Not Disturb, puts it in a basket by the front door, and doesn't go get it for the rest of the evening. 
She does it every day. And this is what she says about her life. She, this is her quoting a 16-year-old. She says, she says, it's helped me concentrate on my homework more, focus on what I need to get done every night, and best of all, it's reclaimed more of my precious time. And I'm like, preach it, sister. That's what I'm thinking. And for you, maybe DD needs to be a digital free zone in your home, a basket to put your phone in. You don't touch it for hours. Um, Melissa and I are really processing through it this week. I feel like this is one of the areas where God's like, you've got to figure this out. We don't have, we're not real um, uh, specific on the way digital devices work in our house. Basically, it's like this. Um, when the kids are on them too long and I notice it, I'm like, get off your devices. And they're like, I just got on. I'm like, I don't care. Everybody use your device. I'm get rid of them. You know, that's like, that's how we do it. Okay. Just a little insight into our home. I, I don't know if I sound like that to them, I probably do. Um, but we've done a really poor job of managing and helping our family manage this, divert daily. Um, withdraw weekly. Once a week, put away your phone for most of the day. There is a family in our church that on Sundays, it's their digital uh, device free day where they don't mess with their digital devices. They're just put away for an entire day. I envy them. And I'm like, yeah, we need to do that. I just never have. But it's like, it's frustrating when I'm trying to get a hold of them that day. But it's like, hey, it's okay, man. It's like they're valuing family. And then abandon annually. You want to be totally stark raving mad. Go for a week, a year, and turn off your device and don't check it for a week. Um, I think what will happen is your life will change if you do all three of those to the point where when you unplug from your device, you have time to plug into God and other people. And so here's what I want to do. I want to show you a video. of a young girl telling her story. She's 20 years old. Her name is Madison. And, and she just talks about her experience with her device and kind of her journey to getting to the point where she was able to unplug from her device and plug into God and how all that happened. I want you to hear it um, in her story. Uh, and while we do that, before we do, we're going to do our um, offering. So you guys can go ahead and come forward, ushers. Um, for those of you um, that are here visiting, let the basket go by. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. For those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to him from what he's blessed us with. And I want to thank you for being a part of our mission and our journey. And then while we're doing that, let's hear from Madison. I grew up in a Christian home. As I got older and kind of headed into high school, swimming upstream kind of gets tiring and that affected relationships with my parents. I was disrespectful, fighting with them a lot, disconnected with my siblings, wasn't spending time with them. And typically where the five amigos and really good friends and I was kind of not part of that anymore. I played volleyball all four years of high school and I was looking to play in college. It was a four-day tournament my junior year, and I did something to my back, and I tweaked it. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're done. It's over. And that was a crushing moment for me, just to know that I couldn't play the sport I loved anymore. I was angry with God. I think I found a lot of my identity through that. I used social media as a crutch for that feeling of, that was worth something, and I found my worth in that. Because I was fighting with my parents and didn't feel connected with my siblings, time on my phone was a lot. Social media became a big part. It was kind of my escape at home, for sure, and even within school. I spent countless hours on Instagram, Snapchatting different people, Facebook, you name it, I was on it, and I was doing it a lot. 
having people like your picture or talking to them, people telling you that you're so pretty, um, felt good. And it was what I wanted to hear. So I used that as an escape to get validation from the world. As I was feeling lost and making poor decisions, one of my poor decisions was I got drunk at a Friday night football game in high school. And at the game, one of the teachers took notice. Um, that teacher did know who my parents were and he did tell them what had happened that night. My parents confronted me about it that night that they found out and I denied everything. I said, there's no way, I wasn't drunk. He saw me drinking water. Based on how I was acting and everything else going on in life, they knew that something was wrong and they knew that I was lying in that moment. My parents are not the type of parents that ground someone for two weeks and tell them to do better. Um, the moment that they found out my life was pretty much over. My phone was gone for all of senior year. Being 18, it was the end of the world. I could no longer escape into that world. I could no longer keep in touch with all my friends on Snapchat. I could no longer be told that I'm really pretty on social media. It was, I was detached. A couple days after I was grounded, um, I was still pretty angry and I came home from school and kind of got into another fight about it with my parents and even was more mad. And one of the things I do when I'm mad is I like to drive. And so that night I did ask my parents, can I just go for a drive? And they did allow me to do that. And as I was driving, my mom always had on the Christian radio station and I was listening to that and a song came on and it was talking about how God just wants you to come home and about his grace and his love. And immediately I was just overwhelmed and I pulled over and just sobbed and just was my moment of being brought to my knees. And that was the moment that my life was forever changed. And that was my full surrender to God and kind of letting him take control of my life. The weeks following that moment with Jesus looked different. It was a time that I felt God's unconditional love and his grace, and I felt forgiven. And I felt like he was just embracing me and just whispering, welcome back. He was saying, welcome back to reality. Welcome back to what's going on around you. He was telling me that what's in front of me is what mattered. It was my siblings, it was my parents, and it was relationship with him. It was spending time with him. I had goals for myself that I wanted to finish at least the New Testament um, before I left for college. I looked forward to getting that time with him and learning more about Jesus and who he is and answering the question of why do I follow him? Why did I surrender my life to him? I have fallen completely in love with Jesus and I have learned that my validation and my worthiness come from him. It does not come from social media, but it really comes from the word and what Jesus is saying about me and how he sees me and who I am to him. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. You know where we got that line from? From a 20-year-old girl named Madison who just shared with you her story. 
And by the way, did you, did you see what Mike and Linda did? I know her parents well. Did you see what they did? <laughs> they, they actually took her phone away her entire senior year. I know a lot of parents aren't willing to go that far, but look at the result. When she was forced to unplug from her device, who did she plug into? Jesus. Why? Because she had room in her life for him. She plugged into her family. Why? Because she had room in her life for them. And so this um, leads us to the end of our series. Um, and this is where, for many of you, I've been praying for you the last four weeks that today would be a line in the sand moment for your life, that today would be a day where you experience change. Um, you know, it's like I love how Madison said it. She says, that was the day that my life changed forever. And days like this are days that change us. And we've asked you from the beginning of the series to bring a token um, on this day that really represents something in your life that you can't say no to, but that you feel like God is asking you to say no to it because it's gotten in your relationship. It's messed with your relationships with each other and with him. Um, it's, it's something that's destructive in your life. Um, you know, it, it can be uh, literally a bottle of alcohol. It could be cigarettes. It could be clothes that you wear for approval. That was week one we talked about. Um, it could be a dollar bill with a money addiction or poker chips or, or drugs or credit cards that you struggle with. Or, or, you know, for me, I'll just tell you this is mine. I've been really processing through what, what is my token. And it's this. This is just a phone case. I feel like I've done a terrible job with my family of managing how we manage our digital devices. I really have. Like, I, I, I'm just sitting here going, I'm just confessing and saying this is what this represents is that from here forward, Melissa and I are going to handle this part of our lives and our family's lives differently. Me as the leader and head of our household, um, I, I don't want to be silent on it anymore or just let it happen however it happens and, and kind of be swayed by the emotion of the day. And so, so this is my... This is my token. Now, what we've done, because I know not everybody is ready to do this or brought something, because maybe um, it, you weren't interested in bringing what really it needs to be. And so on your seat, when you sat down, you were given a three-by-five card. Um, and, and this is really a moment to grab that card. And if you need a pen, if you don't have a pen, raise your hand. Our ushers will bring um, some pens here. Just slip your hand up, and they'll give it to you. But if you don't have something to put on the stage... I want you to write something on that card and just something that you're saying today is my no more day. Today is the day that I draw a line in the sand and I say, you know what? Um, I'm not going any further with this in my life, robbing me from my life, whatever that is that you crave, that you can't say no to. And when you do that, because I believe that there are moments like this that I remember in my life of spiritual growth where I did get up and I walked forward. Um, when you do that, you're saying something. You're saying that I'm going to change. And I'll just tell you, if you don't change in the next day or two, you're going to miss the opportunity that God, I think, has put in front of us. And so when you drop your, whatever it is off, I'm going to ask you to come down these rows and drop it off on the stage. As you walk out on the corners of each stage, there are these um, first day chips. And these are from Celebrate Recovery. And basically this says, today is my first day. This is my first day of not living the way I've lived in the past anymore, and I'm changing. And so we want to give these to you to put on your keychain or somewhere where you're going to see it because this is your first day of really changing the way that you live your life out from here forward. And so let me pray over this moment, and then I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Um, Lord, I thank you for bringing us to moments like this where um, they're life-changing um, 
periods of time where you just want to get a hold of us in such a way that we're never the same again. And Lord, you know what everybody's crave is. You know what everybody in this room, what they struggle the most with. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would give us a boldness in this moment to either write it down or bring our token up. And God, when we walk up to this stage and lay it down, we are giving it to you and asking for your strength. Strength to tell somebody, strength to get help, strength to, to, to change the way our schedules work. And Lord, as we walk across this stage and, and grab this first aid chip, I, I really pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would give us the strength to, what, to do what we haven't been able to do up to this point in our lives, and that is truly change from the inside out. So God, in this moment, I pray that you would fill it with your presence and that you would begin the work in us that is required to become more like you and to look up and look away from our digital devices and whatever else we're carrying in our life that we don't need to have in there anymore. In your holy name, amen. So whenever you're ready over this next song, I want to invite you up and come drop your thing off and pick up a chip. Um, so, uh, so let's walk.
guys to stand with us and declare this with us. He moves the mountains, and we believe He can do it again, that He can overcome all our insecurities, He can overcome what we're afraid of, what we think we can't do, what we think is bigger than us, whatever wall we think is taller than us, He's bigger than that. We're just going to sing and declare that together this morning. we're going to sing one more song together and it and it just declares that we're no longer slaves that we're no longer bound um to what's holding us back to the to the things of this world that that bring us fear that bring us pause that that bring us concern um that he's bigger than any of it and we're just going to celebrate that and celebrate um everyone that came forward and put something at the stage that, that this is a day one and this is a new day um and it's all because of him and his love and uh what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So we're just going to sing this together this morning.
I'm no longer. 
just going to sing that out together one more time. Just our voices. Because I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Oh, and I am a child. That was good. That was good. (laughs) Let me pray over us. Jesus, as we give up stuff in our life, it creates holes in who we are. And Lord, you say you want to give us a rich and satisfying life. And so God, as we pull out things that we become accustomed to, habits that have formed, I pray that you would fill up those gaps, fill up those holes with your presence, your strength, your boldness. And help us to become the people, the men, the women, the husbands, the wives, the children, the leaders, the coaches, the teachers that you dreamed we could be from the start. Help us to become that with your help. And may this be day one of the rest of our life. Living differently, believing differently, and trusting you differently than we ever have before. In your holy name, amen. So as you head out of here, um, there's a couple people over here. Well, one person over here that would love to pray for you and with you. Um, As you head out, if you want to be a part of a small group, jump in right now, today. Stop back there, talk to Bill. And next week, Super Bowl, not only bring some people with you, bring a dish to pass and stick around after the second service because we're going to hang out and have fun and uh, have a punt pass and kick event blow up things. We got all kinds of fun stuff. So you want, we're not going to blow up stuff. We got blow up things that are going to be there for the kids to play on. Um, But I can't wait to hang out with you next week. Take care. Have a great rest of your week.